calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. zone of truth. Let's sit a spell. I'd like to introduce our special guest, founder of the League of Ultimate Questing, current CEO of the Nexus Enterprise, and team patron for the Mortal Dawn, Maven. The zone of truth will be activated at the end of my first question. In accordance with interplanar law, all parties present have consented to this enchantment. From immortal abstract and harbinger of destruction to sports team administrator, to Mackinac's most powerful bureaucrat. The story's been scried a hundred times. You've been very forthcoming with your version of events. But here's the part that gets me. After the destruction of your commissioner, you've stepped in as the de facto leader for both Luck and Nexus. My question is, how? It's not as though you were well-loved, saved by the mortal dawn, but being in good graces of our saviors doesn't entitle you to control. So how did you seize it for yourself and get these powerful corporate entities to go along with it. Well, the poetic answer is that when you truly care about something, you'll find a way to make it happen. Out of my countless machinations, the League of Ultimate Questing is the one that changed who I am. As a being of many lifetimes, I understand we're now referred to as plural entities. Designing the League was the final push for me into a more compassionate life. Heroism, caring for mortal things, and the idea of helping others. But the truth is, Mackinac is a beautiful world with wonderful people and a rich history. But there's one thing the Five Kingdoms obsess over, and that's lineage. In a war, to the victor go the spoils. But in most societies, when one falls, it's not the strong who sees the remains, but the firstborn child. Or next of kin, I had both on my side. Luri was more powerful than me, but I understood her. I knew she'd use whatever means necessary to accomplish her goals. Theft, mind control, mass murder, it all left a trail of evidence that I painstakingly collected. I also knew that she wouldn't look too closely at the minutiae on the paperwork or legal documents. So proving that it was I, not her, who created the League was not that difficult at all. But most importantly, I was able to prove that I was once a part of her. Her eldest child, to use singular terms for a plural concept. Not to get too technical, but magic has a signature. Luri resonates at a specific frequency and emits a specific energy. Both of which match my own albeit to a greater degree. It was bookkeeping, plain and simple. No flash of blades or arcane power, just painstaking minutiae and legalese. 
paperwork. The pen is mightier than the sword, but I had no idea it could stop an extra plane of doomsday. Moving on. The League is, or was, according to you, an organization of push-button killers, eager for an opportunity to prove themselves, both to their debatably superiors and their fans. Nexus is at the bleeding edge of all Magitech research and development, with a chokehold on mass media, a concept that didn't exist until the inception of scry technology. If you are, as you say, a benevolent dictator with only the purest of motives, why haven't these systems of past and potential oppression been dismantled? My previous job, the reason I was created, was to devise devious plans with ever-branching contingencies to destroy worlds by draining them of all love, honor, fear, consciousness, to build social machines that would consume themselves, regurgitate energy, a cosmic virus. I was part of it. Keeping it alive kept me alive. Going against your nature, in a very literal sense, isn't quite what people imagine it to be. It isn't simply turning over a new leaf. As a being of destruction, learning to serve creation is a tremendous task. It's like catching a fleeting glimpse of the truth in a dream, and waiting desperately each night for that dream to return, until over the years, the nature of that truth is finally revealed. It's taken centuries, and still, every bit of my energy goes into moving away from that destruction. You see, the ability to manipulate emotions with stories is a very powerful magic. I want to see it used for good. I can think of no better use than entertainment. To provide diversions from sorrow. To inspire those who struggle for purpose. To create a living narrative driving ourselves to be better. The League rewards greatness. I don't want to see it used as a weapon against the people again, as long as I exist. It is said that power corrupts, and I'm inclined to agree. What is preventing you from using these tools to seize yet more power and march our plane and those beyond lockstep into your utopia by force if necessary? After I was granted the keys to the proverbial kingdom, one of my first tasks was a diplomatic mission to Abel. There are some very powerful entities there who care very deeply about balancing the scales of the universe. They're secretive beings, so I will elaborate no further, but I worked with them to create what you might call failsafes, a second set of eyes auditing the books of Nexus and the League, making sure we play by the rules. Beings that won't hesitate to step in. Love, faith, fear, consciousness, these are the building blocks of what we perceive as reality. In Abel, it's referred to as quintessence. I liked that. The Luminary possessed the ability to consume quintessence, to weaponize it, when I separated from her, I lost that ability. An abundance of it can put a pep in my step, but the fact of the matter is, I can't really do anything besides store and relocate it. So a wealth of this power holds no more allure to me than a banquet to a well-fed man. A suicide switch of higher beings bows to intercede at the slightest whiff of malfeasance. A potent safeguard, to be sure. And yet the greatest restraints and punishments are not those exacted by the people whom you've wronged, or the powers that be keeping you in line but the weight of your own shame. How do you cope with what you've done? I would ask how you sleep at night, but I understand that has never been your strong suit. In the time it takes me to make a cup of coffee, my mind, like a machine, concocts a dozen horrible plans to take down cities and overthrow monarchs. It's built into me. Ignoring it and focusing on more tangible, positive things takes all of my energy. I have to stay busy to tune out the songs of destruction that rattle around in my immortal head. I don't enjoy things. I depend on things. Wine, sex, paperwork, organization. These things help to normalize me, help to keep me on the right path, but I don't experience happiness. There have been a number of times that I felt what you might call fear, 
or deep, deep sorrow, but they were short-lived and always led back to my purpose. I'm not a good person. I've never pretended to be. But I will say that by my very nature, I probably put more energy into thinking about positive things and making plans to do good than most. My goal is to make up for the things that I was made to do and resent the time it took me to break free from it. Use every resource I have to counterbalance it. It's miserable, but that's okay with me. Yeah, there are those who would see you punished for what you've done. Don't they deserve closure? I would never deny the validity of this feeling. If they're willing to do more harm by erasing me from this world and preventing all of the good works I wish to create, I suppose that's their prerogative. But vengeance, which is a now solution, while effective and rewarding, is not very forward thinking. But I'll be frank, so long as I'm confident my designs will keep helping people, it's in my best interest to defend myself. I'm no warrior, but I do know how to keep myself safe. An easy thing to say from a position of power. Both abstract and literal, your stolen rings of power, your natural abilities, and the full force of the world's technology and mercenary forces at your back. But there are those for whom your betrayals were far more intimate. I understand that you enjoy a somewhat pleasant association with most of the members of the Mortal Dawn, at least the ones that survived your sins. What are your thoughts on those who enabled not only your survival at the cost of your siblings, but your rise to power? What do you see when you look into the eyes that lost their friend, fighting for your supremacy? You make it sound like my only intent was to rise to power, and that I used people like pawns. Personally, I hate chess, and to be honest, power doesn't appeal to me. My goal was to give the people what they needed to save themselves, to interrupt and ideally stop the luminary from pursuing her voracious consumption of countless life forms. I wanted my creation back, that's a hard truth, but once the beacon was lit, I forgot about those dreams. If she hadn't accelerated her personal doomsday, my goal was to win back control of the League without a fight. To have a team of legendary heroes ready to lead the fight against a thwarted enemy. Instead, we had to rely on a group of very brave but very unprepared adventurers against her full power. And as a result, in this slapdash plan, a piece of me is gone. One could say a brother. Our friend is gone. I have regular visits with dear Arvid. He's been training some of the young warriors of the Ten Tribes. Many of them have joined the Little League. He doesn't know what to do with all of his fame, and seems to remain safe from it deep in the forests and hills. We still cry about what happened that day. Narathax has been traveling around quite a bit, and I don't mean by boat. Short trips to nearby dimensions, exploring all sorts of magical secrets. I think they consider me a curiosity, and I'm quite certain they keep an eye on me, so to speak. Which is comforting in a way. And what about Artyom Konstantinovich Vulkov? I understand he now commands a sizable force in his own right. A force that would not quibble over the ethics of overthrowing a potential dictator for their theocratic sovereign. He's refused comment. He was not present at the parades or galas in honor of the dawn. In fact, he's not said a word to any but those close to him since he lost what I'm sure would rankle him to call one of his closest friends. Artyom doesn't forget and he doesn't forgive, least of all himself. He does good in his own mind, perhaps to distance himself from the horrors in his wake. I hope he sees the similarity between us, at our attempts at redemption, the burdens of our past. But he doesn't owe me his friendship. And as for the celebration, he doesn't take pride in this victory. He sees no pride in losing an ally in the battle. Even if it saved us all, he has his own light to follow. And I respect him enough to keep my distance. I imagine he's too pragmatic to seek vengeance to simply satisfy himself. That's what made him a solid leader. I was eager to keep him as part of the plan because he didn't trust me. 
I don't always trust myself. He was kind of a moral compass, not guided by personal attachment. Didn't always point where we wanted it to, but it was steady. I regret what happened, but the fact of the matter is, this was one of the only possible outcomes that would have not led to more needless death. If he feels betrayed, he's not alone. I'm honored to have helped unite the Mortal Dawn. If they hadn't been who they are, when they were in that place, we may all be dead. I'm just glad he didn't stray so Time will tell, I'm sure. And it looks like our time is up. But what does the future hold for the League of Ultimate Questing? For Nexus, what are your plans? While I was unable, I realized the potential for expansion. Power or wealth don't entice me in the slightest, but I believe the future for Nexus is to move their HQ to Able, to be led by a board of directors, independent of personal motivations. The future is expanding their reach, independence, opening new LUQ franchises all over the multiverse. Obviously, I'll keep a little piece of the pie to help fund the progress in Zarna, but me? I've grown quite fond of Mackinac, and I'm happy to just keep house there. And I'm sure Mackinac will be happy to have you. Thank you, Maven. And you, Mr. Verity. Ernie, please. Next time I'll be sitting a spell with a panel of experts in planar studies, quintessence, and magitech, seeking to come to grips with what it means to be a singular entity in a plural universe. This has been Zone of Truth. Thank you for an enchanting conversation. Dungeons can be delved, and monsters slain, but what about the last great adventure? Hi, I'm Stormclad Thundertone. There comes a day in every hero's life when they stop and ask themselves how long they can go on. How long before they are felled by the greatest enemy of all, time. We can't all die gloriously on the battlefield, but for those who lived, there's legendary acres. I knew happily ever after was too good to be true. The townsfolk could only hear the one about the terrace and the Darren's instant fortress so many times before they just tuned it out. I wasn't about to be some wrinkly old has-been, boring the ears off of youngins. So I took my untold riches and checked into Legendary Acres. Don't wait for some young punk to get lucky, making a name for himself as the villain who slew the Herald of the Unblinking Eye. Legendary Acres exclusively employs prospective and recovering heroes, young men and women who will happily soak up decades or centuries of wisdom and experience. These boys have never heard the exploits of the Marigold Mistress. <laughs> they blush like young ladies. For those with a little fight left in them, we offer the Twilight Gauntlet Package with custom dungeons, special monster encounters during outdoor time, and a relaxed rule set. They never said I couldn't steal from that old paladin's room. If he wants the amulet of the thrice-burned back, he's gonna have to find me first. <laughs> the other night, I grabbed my cloak, and before I knew it, the damn thing had its teeth in my neck. <laughs> A cloaker at my age. I still got it. And for the particularly long-lived, or those who just want peace, the Tranquil Gardens have an endless Arcadian bounty, with domesticated fey, with just the right amount of mischief. Of course, we keep Fey away in every breathtaking cottage, just in case. I'm 1,090 years old. I just want to be left alone. 
But at least I'll get to see dozens of these old humans leave through the back door before I check out. <laughs> For some, fading into legend comes when you least expect it. For the rest of us, there's legendary acres. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Zenith, the confluence of magic, technology, and modern living. I'm Dr. Dietz, your guide to the city of the future. Well, that sounds daddy and all, but what's a zenith? I'm glad you asked, Timmy. The definition of a zenith is the highest point of something. The city of Zenith is the pinnacle of mortal ambition. A vast, super-swell city constructed in the void of the ether, a satellite hundreds of miles above the mysterious plane of error. Pop got a new job, and now we have to move there. Don't be so glum, chum. Why, Zenith is just the bee's knees. Sounds stuffy. Won't I get bored? Why nonsense? You like the league, don't you, Tommy? Do I? Well, this is where it all happens. It starts on the ring. The outer circle of Zenith is one big promenade. With hundreds of shops, hotels, resorts, spas, and restaurants with delicacies from across the cosmos. From here, you can go anywhere using these nifty planar gates. It's here that the heroes enter the Plane of Error to test themselves against the Crucible. If they pass, they may be selected to join a team representing one of the six spokes. Spokes? Like on my bike? Ha <laughs> ha! No, dummy. You see, Bobby, building a place like Zenith requires investors. I'm sure your pop has told you all about the importance of investors. Yeah, I fell asleep and he really razzed my berries. Investors sound like a bunch of squares. Careful with that kind of talk, Charlie. No squares on this ride. The six spokes make up the disk of Zenith, and each one is a magical city on the move, constructed to the specifications of the spokesman who owns it. The spokesman, along with the other important organizations that make Zenith and LUQ a possibility, get to pick their teams from the cream of the crop. This all sounds like homework. You said this is where the home of the League is. Why, the hub is the home of the League. The hub? Sure. Just like the wheels on your bike, there's a hub where all the spokes come together. The hub is a massive cylindrical skyscraper. Think of the tallest thing you can. Okay. It's taller. It stands taller than any building on Zenith. And it's not just up tall, it's down tall too, extending deep below the surface of the satellite. The hub is where blue collar heroes like engineers, scribes, and stewards rub elbows with champions of industry and valuable members of society. Hey, that's where my pop got his job. Well, then he's one lucky duck. Hub is a state-of-the-art superstructure. Residential floors have apartments, parks, restaurants, and more. Nature floors have botanical gardens, ranches, farms, and even entire forests. There's convention centers with weekly events, and gymnasia where little boys like you can grow up to be big and strong like storm-clad Thundertongue. Wow, he's on my lunchbox. Wow, indeed, Johnny. Hub is the hub of the league, and its citizens make it all possible. What about quests? You can't have the League without quests. Do they go down to error? Ha! No, Billy. No, they don't. No one does. And no one ever will. 
Don't ask again. Well, then where do they go to fight the big monsters and solve all the puzzles? Some quests might be on Zenith, or in the dark of the void, and sometimes the teams will use the planar gates to zip off to worlds beyond. But Dr. Dietz, you said Zenith is like a wheel, right? What's that tower in the middle? <laughs> How's that, Kenny? Well, what's in the middle of Hub? Why, that's the battle axis. Yeah, but what is it? The battle axis is an infinite tower, plus with the center of reality. Now that big dungeon of impossible design. Fifty, <laughs> a heartbeat of everything. At the center of all things. So what do you think, Jimmy? Are you excited to start your new life at the center of the universe? And how? Well, little Joey's on board. What about you? We'll see you in the city of the future. Searching for traps or you fall down a hole Never take a quest without your ten-foot pole New from the makers of ten-foot pole, it's twelve-foot pole Get yours today Short, ooh, ah, ooh, jungle, jorts You're a lover, a dreamer, and most importantly, a fighter When you need that extra push, reach for a second wind energy drink Second wind, we go down easy, so you don't I'm a dwarven shield maiden of Remitex. I live to slay my foes and defend the Onyx Citadel. I shed the blood of orcs and goblins by the buckets on the battlefield. But sometimes the moon goddess shines her light on me and it becomes my time to bleed. Heavy combat, heavy armor, heavy floor. That's when I reach for Clan Pax Mithril. Twice the absorption, twice the durability. Clan Pax Mithril. Leave the bloodshed to your enemies. Coming soon to EXPN. The Experience. The only news show dedicated to keeping you up to date on the latest and greatest in the LUQ. Experience the adventure like never before. Featuring arcane expert Aspen Vancaster. This arcane prodigy became an arcanist at the young age of 16, acquired an early magus in transmutation with a minor in divination. He was on track for a prestigious career with his archmagus and the effects of transmutation on arcane conduits and their viability in extraplanar communications. That's when he hit it big. With his dynamic personality and incisive views on the developing world of Magitek, Vancaster made a name for himself as the voice of the cutting edge. He abandoned his Archmagus to found Vancaster Productions, but he's hungry for more. All eyes are on Aspen as he takes to the stage to become the arcane expert for the experience. Tune in to Major Image for the latest trends in tech, fashion, fine dining, and more metropolitan musings. You can also see Aspen on Spelling It Out as he uses his arcane knowledge to go head-to-head -head with Gracie Devine. She 
She's the embodiment of hearth and home, a master chef, patissier, sommelier, and clothier. This down-to-earth country queen is a mother of four, appointed by the axes of united representation of alignments and happily accepted by the administration. Gracie has friends in high places and none greater than Praxa, the god of tradition and ceremony. She became the chosen of Praxa at a young age and has devoted her life to the study of traditions, values, ethics, and culture of every civilization she could find. As we hurtle towards the future, she'll be keeping the cosmos grounded and close to the heart and remind city boy Vancaster of the importance of divinity in spelling it out. If religion and culture don't appeal, we have a more ironclad social construct. Page Theta Rome, fabricated on the lawful plane of edict to document the events of the material planes, Page felt he was meant for something greater. He petitioned the adjudicator, high ruler of edict, to divest himself to his plural nature, accepting life as a singular being. In aeons of travel, he has learned that some things cannot be captured in words, but he'll be damned if he doesn't try. Page puts his sharp mechanical mind to work as our field anchor, bringing you live coverage, no matter the risk. And no matter how far we may drift, there's one anchor you can count on to keep the ship in shape. Warren Rustborough. After spending most of his dwarven youth on the battlefields writing letters and journal entries about the hardships of military living, Warren refocused his adult life on his love for communications, working as a negotiator for various political powers and a motivational speaker for victims of wartime. This published author and award-winning speechwriter now finds his new home as co-anchor for the greatest heroic franchise in the multiverse. But when one anchor isn't enough, you can count on the drag factor of Dirk Brad, High five enthusiast and current co-anchor of The Experience. Player interviews, combat analysis, behind the scenes and data-driven deep dives brought to you in ninth level clarity with cutting edge divination technology. Welcome to The Experience. Your home for LUQ coverage seven days a week. EXPN. Experience the adventure.